This is the Amadon Planet Podcast, Episode 2, Act as Love. My name is Joel Amadon. Thank you for taking the time and making the decision to listen to this episode of the Amadon Planet Podcast. Just really excited to get into this book, Love Does, by Bob Goff. Um, But before we do, just a little bit of a reminder, the purpose of the Amadon Planet Podcast is to learn, to learn how to be better and how to teach better. My intent is to pull out ideas from books like Love Does and eventually interviews, other podcasts, and other content that is out there to consider how to apply those ideas to being better and teaching better. Ultimately, the goal of the podcast and my own personal goal is to lead people to love others through learning and teaching. And there are few better books to realize that goal than the featured book for this podcast, which is Love Does. Discover a Secretly Incredible Life in an Ordinary World by Bob Goff. I'm giving this episode the title Act as Love because after reading this book, I cannot help but think about how to act as love where I'm at. In all my roles and relationships, how do I act as love? A question that I considered during my doctoral work is what does it look like to teach mathematics as an act of unconditional love? And, you know, thinking about all the ways that I thought about how do I do that in the role of a teacher and then seeing this book and it, it just, it keeps refining those views and thinking about, okay, what did I miss? What do I need to keep thinking further about with how do you be the role of a math teacher and do it as an act of unconditional love? Still, still processing, still processing that. So I'm not saying that I know the answer or I have it all figured out. Uh, I'm still on this constant journey of learning, and I don't believe that Bob Goff is saying that either. It is just a a great question to always be attempting to answer, which is why in the warm-up to this episode, I had y'all do the consider the question, what does it look like to blank as an act of unconditional love? What does it look like to teacher as an act of unconditional love, to uh, accountant as an act of unconditional love, to farmer as an act of unconditional love? Whatever roles and responsibilities you have, what does it look like? to do them as an act of unconditional love. So what do you do? What should you do? What could you do? And so, you know, again, further further food for thought as we dive into this book. But first, let's talk about Bob Goff. Bob Goff is, he's Bob. He is hard to pigeonhole. Uh, he is a lawyer. Um, he's a humanitarian. He's an adjunct professor. Uh, he is honorary consul for the Republic of Uganda in the United States. He's also just trying to help others achieve their dreams through uh, these workshops, these dream big workshops that he runs. And I'll post his bio from his website in the show notes at mnlplanet.com forward slash episode two. Um, Oh, I also think he's starting a podcast, which that would be interesting. I can't wait to hear what he's going to do there. So also he's a best-selling author, which, you know, I said about Daniel Pink in the last episode, but, you know, it's kind of like, well, of course they're best-selling authors. That's why you got the book. Unless I start doing really obscure books, but most of these books I'm going to be redoing are from best-selling authors, so it makes sense. But it, it's really important for him because with the proceeds that Bob gets from his book sales, he used them to open up schools and complete projects in Afghanistan, Iraq, Uganda, Nepal, India, Somalia. I mean, he just he does some good stuff out there with the money he makes from the books. So it, it also needs to be said that Bob is a Christian, and he would probably be the first to tell you that the reason he acts the way he does is because of his faith and a desire to be more like Jesus Christ. And Jesus commanded those that follow him to love others as he loved them. So now, that got me thinking about this definition of a hypocrite. Um, go with me just for a second. Um, 
So someone defined being a hypocrite as someone whose beliefs and actions don't match up. And what I see is I see Bob Goff as someone trying to minimize the distance between his professed faith in Christ and the actions that he takes. But you also have to know that having a professed faith in Christ also means that you're saying, I am broken. I need, I need help. I'm not going to be able to do this on my own. So he would also probably uh, agree with that as well. So trying to line up those beliefs and those actions. And that's what's kind of interesting about this book. And so this book is organized into 31 chapters, which is basically 31 stories from Bob's life that influenced him. And from each of those stories, a principle is highlighted. Very just good storytelling with these principles being drawn out of the stories. But before I jump into the big ideas that I'm going to pull out of this book, just a quick disclaimer, in no way will I be able to communicate the whole value of the book. And even if I did, it would be from my perspective. In other words, if you like what you hear, you know what's coming. Go get the book for yourself. Links to purchase the book can be found at amadonplanet.com forward slash episode two, or seek it out wherever you buy high-quality books like this one. If possible, try to support your local bookseller like Square Books here in Oxford, Mississippi. All right, let's get into it. So I pulled out four four learnings. Now I could have could have done more, but I think four is good. So the first one is called build the relationship. Number two, continue the story. Three, detach to connect. And four, be bold. And again, it's hard to pull out only a few. Um, it's kind of like a really good movie. You want to watch all the scenes and I'm pulling out just a, a few scenes here and trying to see some patterns in the book. But there's obviously, again, a lot more that this book can offer. I'm just going to talk about these four. So first one, build a relationship. And I really think this is kind of the overall theme of the book. Whenever Bob is interacting with someone, he's trying to build a relationship. Um, and I've even seen this in some of the, uh, had a chance to see Bob Goff speak and saw him interact with a crowd. And everyone he interacted with, he's trying to be intentional with the time he's spending with them, right? And so building a relationship. But from the book, you see a number of different stories where he's tr- attempting to build a relationship or you learn that there's a need to build a relationship. Um, one of the early stories in the book is about his youth leader, Randy. Um, he goes to Randy's house to say, hey, Randy, I'm going to leave town. I'm going to drop out of school. I'm going to go um, live in the mountains. I'm going to find some job and I'm just going to climb mountains. I'm going to go to a park and find a job during the day that I, you know, like waiting tables and I'm just going to go rock climb. Uh, the rest of the day, and that's how I'm going to live my life. And Randy's like, "That's good, all right. I, you want? Why not go with you to get you set up?" And he just goes with him. And he's, and Bob's like, "Okay, I guess you can come with me." And he goes and tries to live out this thing about just going and finding a job, and then climbing rocks. And he can't find a job because there's all these people that want to do the same thing that he's trying to do. So there's no jobs available. He doesn't have enough money. He doesn't have you know food to eat and eventually figures out this is not a good plan but randy is with him the whole time and you come back and you find out that randy has some pretty significant circumstances going on in his life that he just walked away from to be with bob in order to build that relationship but randy could have done two things he could have said hey bob that's not really a good idea you shouldn't do it here's why or he could have just said you know what i'm just going to be with you and and i'll let you figure out that it's probably not a great idea but just the idea that being with somebody, even if they're doing some things that might not be the best, and helping them not make uh, completely awful decisions, but just helping them, making sure they know that you're with them, um, 
to help guide them to the right answer, right? Um, also, another story he talks about with building relationships and something that uh, we in the Ambidon family have adopted is this idea of a 10-year-old trip. And I know probably other people have done 10-year-old trips too, but this is the first time I've heard of one. But where people in, or kids in the Goff family, when they turn 10, they can plan a trip. And it's a trip where they get some special time uh, with their parent and to see can they decide where they want to go, what do they want to do, and just let's go. Let's go and do it. And we've done this with uh, one of our kids, and we're on the second one right now. And the the idea of having them plan this out and kind of as a marker in their life, like, hey, we're having this moment of you being 10, you planning this trip, and it's kind of this entrance into this next phase of life. And it's really been a, a unique thing. I'm so glad we're doing it, about building that relationship with our child that they get some special time with mom and dad they get to plan out this trip really get to again step forward (laughs) and for us thinking about budgets maybe a little bit um but step forward into this experience and thinking i'm growing up right and so this idea of creating those moments uh where we can build the relationship and even to think you know when i was thinking about how do i apply this to the teaching uh, i was thinking about some situations where you know, not necessarily, I mean, the Randy and the 10-year-old trip, those ended up being fairly positive relation or positive story points or whatever you want to say there. But you can even take uh, moments that might necessarily be bad. Like, for example, I, I had a student that uh, was caught cheating, right? And so there's a couple of ways you can respond there. Uh, in some ways might involve tearing down the relationship, Right where, hey, I'm going to give you the zero, I'm going to send you to the office and call your parents, right? And yes, the cheating is bad. I'm not saying cheating is not bad, but handling it that way would have broken my relationship and there would have been a problem after those punishments would have been served, right? Instead, I went and had a conversation with the student because like, when they're doing something that if with a proper frame, Cheating is attempting to be successful. It's a really awful way to try to be successful, but it's an attempt at being successful. They could have just said nothing, right? Instead of cheating on the thing, they could have just thrown it away. They could have just torn it up. They could have done other things. So I'm looking for as much positive as I can in that situation. And then I'm looking at the person. Like, they don't normally do this. So I'm going to have a discussion with them. I'm like, hey, I know you. You don't do this. Why are you doing this and having a conversation about, you know, what's going on in their lives and talking about all the different pressures they've got with hockey practice and all his other studies are mounting up and he got behind and he wants to keep his grade up because he he wants to impress me and all this pressure built up and he cheated. And so now we have a way to enter into conversation. We can give them the skills to manage their time better, um, how to... Uh, you know, maybe manage their rest better so they can have um, more energy during the day and thinking about how do you better attack this situation. So now we still give them punishment, but now we've built the relationship and we've improved uh, improved the actions of the person so that it doesn't happen again. That's, That's something. I mean, how do we build a relationship? Even in a bad situation, how do we build that relationship? You know, or also, you know, also dealing with teachers. Like I have students who are in college that are learning, trying to become teachers, and you know, they've maybe gotten a habit of not attending a college class. It's like, well, I'm paying for this class, I don't have to show up. And I'm, and I take the the stance that I'm training you to be a teacher, and you have to show up. If you don't show up, there's kids without a student, and I want to train that in them from 
the my college classes. So I'm like, if you don't show up, I need to know. I need to know beforehand. I can't have you calling me halfway or texting me halfway in in the middle of class and saying I'm not going to show up. Or if you have group members that are doing something on your behalf, you need to let them know. You need to take care of your responsibilities. And so having those conversations now and saying, I'm doing this because I care about you and I don't want these happening to your future students because I know you care about them, right? And so, again, building that relationship, even in correction, we can build that relationship. Uh, so let's build a relationship. And I, that's kind of an overarching thing from this book that you gather is always be building relationships. Two is continue the story. And this kind of got me thinking about the improv mindset of yes and and you'll see that in some of these examples I give. But there's this uh, principle in improv. If someone comes up and says something wild and crazy, uh, the the principle, the yes and principle is to accept what they say as truth and then add to it. So if someone comes up and says, uh, oh, man, I saw the elephant uh, uh, in a tutu roller skating down the street. And rather than saying, what? You say, oh, yeah. I saw it too. And did you see the hippo doing the Macarena right after it? It was amazing. What rhythm. You know, so it's like you keep building the story. And so um, in the book, I, there's a couple of examples I just want to highlight. One was this uh, this guy, Ryan, who entered into Bob's life um, and just tells a story about Ryan who wants to get engaged. And he's got this idea to how to get engaged. And it's pretty wild. And he keeps coming back to Bob and saying, I want to do this. I want to do this. And Bob just keeps saying yes and keeps saying yes. You know, rather than if he would have said no at any point in time, he would have shut down this amazing story. And it wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't be in the book. Maybe Ryan wouldn't have gotten engaged. Who knows? But he kept saying yes. And he kept continuing the story. Um, another example is after 9-11, uh, Bob got his kids together and asked them, like, what would you want to talk to group leader or world leaders about right after this horrible thing that's happened what would you want to talk to group leaders about or world leaders about and they say you know i want to see if they want to have a sleepover i want to know where does their uh hope lie and i, I don't know if i'm phrasing that question right but uh, i wanted to you know ask them about what do they hope in right um and then the maybe a third question is this hey if you can't come for a sleepover can we come to you and ask you this question and interview you and they then went and, you know, so they could have done that. And they thought, okay, we had a little discussion. That's good. But they don't stop there. They say, okay, let's ask them. <laughs> and they download a list of all the world leaders and they send letters to every single one of them, all the world leaders. And some, they get back letters and it says like, you know, yeah, you know, thanks for the question. And that's great to think about. And some of them just say, no, you know, you can't come. Uh, but they start getting some yeses, like to... I think Bulgaria and Switzerland uh, and Israel and like all these places that start saying yes and they got 29 yeses and so what they could have said well that'd be ridiculous we can't go to 29 places all over the world you have school whatever no they say all right we're pulling you out of school and we're gonna go and they keep going they go all over the world and meet with all these world leaders and have amazing stories about that but <laughs> He doesn't stop there. He doesn't, you know, like he doesn't just have a moment with these world leaders like, all right, that was good. And we interview, we ask you a question, we're done. No, he slides over in each of these instances, they slide over a box and it has their house key, a copy of their house key in it. And he says, this is a, a key to our front door. You are welcome at any time. He continues the story. They continue the story. And so that's something like, how do you continue the story and having continuous 
invitations and don't let the don't let the story die with you right so um open invitations for parents um to come into classrooms there's open invitations for student that student that's not participating to continue to participate right we don't make the assumption that they are not going to come we don't make the assumption that they're not going to participate even though they might turn you down how do we keep opening that invitation uh even to looking at our neighbors maybe there's that neighbor that never will wave at you you keep waving at them like you seem crazy you keep waving at them because maybe one day they will wave at you um one thing that I learned from a colleague uh, a long time ago when I was first starting teaching is this idea of a million-word essay. It's the first uh, homework assignment, but it's not for students. It's for parents or guardians. And you basically provide every single outlet that you can to get in contact with you. You provide your uh, you know, voicemail, uh, email, uh, postal address, whatever, and you say, hey, I want to be the best teacher for your kid. Tell me some things that I need to know to be the best teacher for your kid in a million words or less. Okay, and, and it's due by the end of the school year. You know, so very open and giving them all these different avenues to tell them, uh, to tell you about how to be the best teacher for their child. And I found so much insight into those. You know, some of them came back and, and I knew that I had students that whose parents spoke a different language, so I'd have it translated into those languages to try to provide as much welcoming. So even if they never respond, they know that they have an invitation to participate uh, in the betterment of their child's education by giving me some insights. And so I hear about fears about, you know, when I taught math, fears about people and um, of them coming to high school and learning math. They finally got this good relationship with math and they're scared to death of them going to high school math class. Or uh, just hearing about some of their previous behavior issues and they're looking forward to them you know, maybe maturing a little bit. Uh, but overall, they're a good kid. And that one was written in Spanish. Um, and there's all these sorts of things that I got insights into on how to be a better, um, how to be a better teacher for those students. And then just knowing that when things came up, I already had started the story with some of these parents, right? And with even some of these kids. So continuous invitations to make sure that it doesn't end your court, that there is this idea of, I want to continue the story with you. Um, yeah, so that's that. That's continue the story. I think just that's so powerful. Just how do you continue the story and thinking about what if this life, what if this is the story? Like, what would you do differently, right? How would you continue the story? Well, you wouldn't, and there's certain opportunities that maybe you've let lie down and you didn't do anything about them because you're like, well, maybe that's not for, maybe that was you. Maybe that is part of your story. Um, continue the story. I just, I like that one. Um, detach to connect. That's the third uh, point I'm kind of pulling, third learning I'm pulling from this book. Uh, it's this idea of needing to, you know, take a step back within a situation in order to fully connect with somebody. So how do we use an example? So in the book, he, Bob tells a story about him being in an accident in his Jeep. And it sounds like a horrific accident. And um, it turns out he's completely fine. So he gets hit, uh, T-boned, I think. Uh, I believe he was T-boned. And um, so gets hit, gets actually, I believe, thrown out of his vehicle, if I remember correctly. And gets out and he sees the person that hit him is shooken up. 
So he, he looks at himself. He's like, I'm fine. And he walks over there and like, hey, I'm Bob. How are you? Are you okay? And just being, seeing that this person needs comforting in this situation, right? That's pretty powerful to know that this person needs comforting. I'm going to go provide it to them because that's what they need. That's to act in the situation, to love in the situation is to go see if they need some assistance. And then it turns out that this person, you know, just is so sorry, continues to have guilt about hitting him. And he's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And he, I think, I believe he finally sends her a note and says like, you know, it was a pleasure running into you. You don't need to call anymore. Love, Bob. <laughs> so um, just a, a great way to think about disconnecting from the situation. Like he could have thought like, hey, uh, my car's you know, been hurt. My car's damaged. I want, you know, I'm a lawyer. I want to get my uh, some funds to repair my car. Um, man, I want to make sure I'm okay. But no, he detached in order to connect, make a connection with this person. Um, what, a, what a great... What a great response, but it allows needing to detach and see, like, how can I best love in this situation? And that's what he did. Um, and I saw, you know, I saw kind of an anti-example of this at one time, and I was doing some observations, and I saw um, a student who hadn't been doing all their homework. He was not um, not doing their daily work, right? And, you know, it was towards the end of the semester, and he's trying to get some points, and so he brings in all this late homework that he did over the um, over the weekend. He had a pretty good stack. And he says, goes up to the teacher and says, hey, I, I did all this work. I'm just seeing if I can get something, some points for this. Um, and the teacher just says, hey, that stuff was due on Friday. I can't give you, I can't do anything about it. Kid turns around, drops the stack into the garbage and walks out. Going back to number one, that, you know, how do we build relationships? One, that's not the way to build a relationship. How do we see, like, in this situation, maybe those points don't mean anything. Maybe he's too far gone in the semester. So, and and maybe, you know, there is a feeling of hurt. Like, hey, this student ignored me through the whole semester when I remind him to do his work. And now he thinks he can come and do this and make up for it. No, he can't. And, yeah, there is something to be learned. But... How do we build the relationship in that moment? How do we detach and say, okay, I know the situation. They're not, they did something to contribute towards their education. They are late, but how can I work with them in order to keep this relationship with me going and to build a relationship with the content? You need to detach in order to connect with that student and build those relationships, not only with the student, but also with the situation. And Man, there's so many ways like that too, and even thinking about you know electronics and how do we handle you know uh, Apple re- re- new iOS has that weekly screen time, and it, it, it shames me to see all the different screen all the screen time that I spend on my phone or my device, and thinking about well, how can I detach from my devices in order to do have meaningful connections with my kids or my students, or my wife, <laughs> my friends. Right, um, that ability to detach from situations and really think about what am I getting out of this scrolling, this in, in, you know incessant scrolling that I'm doing on my phone. Um, how do we detach to connect? So, final thing is be bold. Uh, many many stories of being bold. I think that's kind of Bob's thing is being bold. 
Um, he's a story about how he met his wife and how they got engaged and even, uh, you know, <laughs> some things that they uh, did in their own lives with uh, some homes that they've built in order to bring people together. I mean, they've done some bold things. Uh, Bob even built, had a house in Washington, D.C. where he wanted uh, people from both sides of the aisle, some Republicans and Democrats, they could live there for free if they would live there together because he thought living there together would start building relationships. And he was just bold like that. Um, that wasn't in the book. But anyway, how he got into law school, he, there's a story about him sitting outside the, um, the dean of the law school, uh, outside of uh, his office, and just waiting and, and saying, like, hey, I want to get in. Can you, you can let me in. You've got the power. All you got to do is say is, go get your books. And he sits there for days and days and days, even in the semester, until finally he wore him down and the guy said, go get your books. Uh, and just making that bold move, like, and there's other stories in there where his bold moves don't, you know, work out. But being bold is something that, in you know, putting yourself out there and taking the risk, that's that's pretty good. And you see that also with, you know, he goes over to Uganda and he sees all these kids that have been uh, put into jails uh, for basically no reasons, like just being accused of something. So they throw them in jail, and for years they sit there and they don't get a trial. And he's like, "Hey, how about?" You know, he goes over there and say, "Hey, I'm a lawyer. How about we try some of these kids and see if we can get their charges cleared? Like, because they're just sitting here. How about we give them trials?" And he ends up getting sending so many kids home because they. they was able to make the bold statement to say, I'm willing to stand up for these kids and uh, serve as their lawyer if we can get them a trial. Um, what, you know, that's pretty bold, right? Pretty bold. And then also he just opens some schools in some places that have had conflict and saying, you know, he might not even have all the permissions needed, but he says, uh, you know, the best thing to do in these situations is to educate the kids. And so he's opening schools and starting some things uh, and, and some other projects in these uh, places that I listed before. But just doing that and being bold and saying, you know what, here's a good thing to do. Or, you know, there's other stories out there of Bob just saying, hey, there's these people starving in this country. I'm going to go deliver them some food. Not working through the UN, not doing anything. Hey, they need, they're starving. They need some food. And again, you know, just acting in a way that is bold but lines up that's trying to line up with what he's being called to do and that's to love others and that you know that could be for us too like thinking about what do we need to do what are we being called to do where the circumstances line up our lives in our lives where we need to act and maybe that's starting a podcast maybe that is starting that degree maybe it is trying that new uh teaching practice you learned at uh, the nctm conference in san diego this week Right? Maybe it's about uh, asking people within your school to start a book club where you're trying to learn about different perspectives. Maybe you're going to read Love Does. Maybe you're going to read When by Daniel Pink. Maybe you're going to read uh, Strength in Numbers by Lana Horne where you can learn about complex instruction and how to put that into play in your classroom. Maybe it is about um, applying for that new position, right? Who knows? What is that be bold move, right? Maybe it's about recognizing inequity and saying, you know what? I'm not going to stand for that. 
and standing up to inequity and say, I'm going to do something about this. I'm noticing this thing, and we need to do something about it. We are not going to talk that way about our students. We're not going to talk that way about kids. We're not going to talk that way about our neighbors, right? And so how do we do that? Okay. So that, you know, kind of went on for a little bit long, but I think uh, this book, there's so much more we could talk about it, but there's these four main learnings that I'm thinking about building the relationship again that's kind of an overall learning uh, for all the whole book two is continue the story the kind of yes and thinking that improv thinking three detach and connect to connect detach to connect and four be bold build the relationship continue the story detach to connect and be bold that's I think that those are the four things I'd like you to take from this uh, book love does by Bob Goff so that is about all I have for this episode of the Amazon Planet Podcast. I can tell by the stats that people are downloading and listening to the podcast, which is amazing. I, I am so humbled uh, by that. And I just want to invite you to take another step. So if you're listening, and just, hey, take one more step. So here are a few ways I invite you to engage. One is subscribe to the podcast in iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or Google Play. You can also follow the podcast in Spotify. I really like Spotify for doing podcasts. Two is share the podcast. Hit the little share button on your phone and send it to somebody. Maybe you heard something that you know someone else needs to hear. Maybe you want to read this book Bob Goff uh, that Bob Goff wrote with somebody else. Share the podcast. Maybe that gets somebody else charged up and you guys, you two can read it together. Uh, review the podcast through your preferred podcast provider. That's another thing you can do. Um, that will get thing this podcast noticed. If you're finding value, maybe somebody else will. And by reviewing, that'll provide some attention to it. And three, or not four, is like the Amazon Planet Podcast Facebook page. There you can comment on the podcast, ask questions, or bring up angles on the content that was not mentioned in the podcast. This is especially important given that next week we will have a bonus. A follow-up to this episode where we briefly review what was covered in the episode, respond to questions and comments from social media and other avenues that I get uh, comments from and preview the next episode of the podcast and just a reminder full episodes of the amadon planet podcast are published on the first thursday of the month with the bonus episodes to follow on the second thursday of the month i also added in a warm-up episode which drops one week in advance of the full episode or the last thursday of the month basically you have a warm-up a full episode and a bonus for each month's featured content so you can reach me uh, in the social media stratosphere uh, at the handle at Amadon Planet on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And for those of you of the more professional sort, you can also find me on LinkedIn. I'll be looking for questions and comments related to the episode, but I will also be looking for general questions, suggestions for books to review, or other content to feature on the Amadon Planet podcast. And in conclusion, thank you for taking the time to listen to episode two of Act As Love of the Amazon Planet podcast. Special thanks to Alex Crosby for the music in this episode. Finally, thank you to all of you out there who are seeking to be better, teach better, and be the good in the world by investing in the lives of others. This world is a better place because you have decided to use the gifts you have been given to serve others. Thank you for all that you do. Peace.